Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Williams wants to fade. Stoops in the end zone for a touchdown Oklahoma. Football season may have come to an end for Oklahoma, but that doesn't mean there's going to be a shortage of news and notes and things to talk about. Monday has been insane for Oklahoma football. With the uh, you, you basically you just talk about quarterbacks when you talk about Oklahoma, you talk about quarterbacks, and you could talk about coaching hires because that's something that's still happening. Sooners with a big coaching announcement on Monday, but then you go back to the quarterback room and Caleb Williams is out and Gabriel D- Dylan Gabriel is in. And you just, I mean, look, it's, it's going to be, this is the new era of college football. It's college era, college football, free agency. Dylan Gabriel was actually enrolled to start classes at UCLA today, January 3rd, 2022. He was supposed to start classes at UCLA and instead he's coming to Norman, Oklahoma. So there you have that. And uh, this is the Sooner Nation podcast. Clearly, Clearly, there's a lot to discuss in this episode. We got to start with basketball, though, because, I mean, we got to throw out the obligatory uh, few minutes to talk about Sooner Hoops because another big win for Oklahoma um, the other night with a 71-69 to victory over Kansas State. And you look at how shorthanded this team was. That that's a it's it's already a big win because it's your first conference win. You're protecting the home court. All those reasons that we always talk about for Big Twelve basketball. You always want to protect the home court. You want to steal as many as you can on the road. Um, but then when you look at your down four players because of COVID, it makes it it makes it even a must win situation because suddenly you're vulnerable on your home court. Now you're naturally going to be vulnerable on your home court when you play. Baylor, when you play Kansas, sometimes when you play Texas, sometimes when you play Oklahoma State, there are going to be games, Iowa State, I just mentioned half the Big 12, didn't I? But there are going to be those games when you're vulnerable on your home court. But then when you play a team that you're favored to beat, and then you're short four players, by the way, one of those guys is Tanner Groves, that, I mean, you, you have to win that situation. Because it's you look back and you look back at seeding, whether we're talking about the conference tournament, whether we're talking about the NCAA tournament, you can look back at seeding opportunities. You can look at various situations where Oklahoma let a game slip on their home court and it came back to bite them. And, and in fact, it's it, we're, we're seeing that to an extent right now with this season because you, you've got a, a basketball team that's 11-2 and two on the season, 1-0 and oh in conference play. It's just one game, but... 1-0 in conference play in what is probably the best basketball conference in America, yet they're not ranked. Why are they not ranked? Because they lost a home game to Butler. If Oklahoma beats Butler, if Oklahoma, if Oklahoma's only loss right now is to Utah State in that Myrtle Beach Invitational, if that's the only blemish they have on their record, 
then they're a ranked team right now. But that's not how it is. There's a clear blemish on the record uh, at home with, with Butler, and that's what's holding this team back. Now, there's good news and there's bad news. The bad news, we'll, we'll start there. The bad news is Baylor's next. The bad news is you got to go on the road and play the best team in the country on Tuesday night. The good news in all this is you win that game and you're definitely ranked, right? You beat Baylor in Waco, you're definitely going to be ranked. And if you're looking for a like a, a sub point on the good news is that probably a loss on the road at Waco doesn't hurt you. So that means Saturday's game kind of gets reset to be even bigger than Tuesday's game. What, what I mean is, is you go on the road, you play the number one team in the country in Baylor, and you lose. Let's say you're competitive, but you lose by 12 points, right? Then you come home Saturday against Iowa State. There's the game that, that's going to determine whether you're ranked on Monday or not. Essentially what I'm saying is Oklahoma can lose in Waco on, Saturday, on, on Tuesday, win in Norman against Iowa State on Saturday, and find themselves in the top 25 on Monday. I still think that's a possibility because I, I don't know that losing to the top team in the country is going to hurt you, particularly if you're still undermanned. I don't, I don't know what the health of this team is. I don't know that anybody outside of Porter Mosier knows the health of this team. But what I do know is that Oklahoma's sitting at 11-2, and two, which is one of the better records in the Big 12. And they're one of three teams that's 1-0 in conference play. So we're sitting on a, a pretty decent football. Uh, football. <laughs> Clearly you know what's on my mind now, right? Sitting on a pretty decent basketball program right now. But still a long way to go. I think lost in all the shuffle of the um, Alamo Bowl and the quarterback talk, the coaching hires, all of that has been recruiting just a little bit because the Sooners, the Sooners got a huge commitment from a running back that if you listen to the Sooner Nation podcast, if you read what we post at Heartland Sports, heartland-sports.com, you kind of had an idea. And it's not like, like we were the only ones out there saying that Javante Barnes was going to commit to Oklahoma. And the more it looks more and more like like he's already had sent in his um, letter of intent because when you look at the the recruiting rankings, they have him listed as a signed player. So maybe he signed on Saturday. I mean, maybe he signed on, on Saturday and and uh, when he made his announcement. But I think more uh, I'm leaning towards the fact that he came in on the first day of the early signing period. And, and just kind of kept it as a silent commitment until he was able to um, make his announcement public at the, at the uh, All-Star game. At the end of the day, though, Oklahoma gets the number 10 running back in the 2023, uh, excuse me, 2022 recruiting class, according to 24-7 Sports. Javante Barnes out of Las Vegas High School, DeMarco Murray. DeMarco Murray, between Gavin Salchuk and Javante Barnes, DeMarco Murray secured two top 10 running backs for Oklahoma in this 2022 class. And that's that's with Lincoln Riley bolting and, and going to Southern California. That's pretty big. I mean, you, you got the number three player, overall player from the state of Nevada in Javante Barnes, six foot, 190. Uh, the kid had 35 scholarship offers. And it really, if this is the sweet spot, the sweet moment for Oklahoma fans and that his his top three choices came down to Oklahoma, 
Florida State and USC. And yeah, Lincoln Riley lost that one. And so that that's good. I mean, if you're if you're Oklahoma fans, you find a little bit of solace in in the in the thought that you actually did beat Lincoln Riley head to head in a recruiting battle for a, a prized four star running back. So you got that going for you. And then and then comes the boom with Caleb Williams, and we got to jump into all that next. So here's the big story for Oklahoma football. It's uh, the quarterback change. Now, Caleb Williams isn't officially gone from the University of Oklahoma. Caleb Williams is officially in the transfer portal. And even though Dylan Gabriel has announced that he's transferring, uh, I don't even know how that works. Is he transferring from Central Florida or is he transferring from UCLA? Regardless, he's coming to the University of Oklahoma to play the quarterback position which sets up one or two scenarios for Brent Venables and Jeff Levy and this football program. Either it sets up a classic quarterback battle that will start in the spring, or it sets up a situation where you have a natural bridge with with Dylan Gabriel to hold you over until maybe Nick Evers or somebody else is ready uh, to take over one or two years down the ride, down the road because Caleb Williams is is gone. Um, I don't I don't know. I mean, it's it's this is the craziest transfer saga that I think we've ever gone through as Oklahoma fans and as people who cover this team. Um, and I had a, a crud ton of notes here on Caleb Williams that I wanted to go over because I just thought I really I went into Monday night thinking, okay. This podcast is going to be about how everything is on hold for Caleb Williams to make a decision. And that's clearly not the case. There is nothing on hold for Caleb Williams. This is a situation where Caleb Williams went in the transfer portal and Jeff Levy said, okay, well, I'm going to reach in there as well. Um, and I think I think it's the right move by both guys. If, 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 you, uh, if you follow me here, I think I, – I think – Caleb Williams deserves, he's earned the right to process this decision. I mean, he whether he's back in the Crimson and Cream in 2022 or not, he has solidified his spot in Sooner football lore with what he did in the Cotton Bowl against Texas. But the way he stuck with the team when a lot of guys bailed, Jaden Hazelwood bailed, you know, Spencer Rattler bailed. He stuck with this team to help them win a bowl game, kind of complete the mission, so to speak. I think that earns him the right to really go through the process of finding what's best for him. Keep in mind, he committed to Lincoln Riley. And he's always been on track with getting to the NFL. And so much so that really what's the next step for Caleb Williams is, and a lot of people, I, I, it's just the era that we live in. A lot of people feel like, well, he's just going to go find, he's going to go chase dollars, right? Whoever pays him the most money, uh, whoever gives him the biggest NIL deal, that's where he's going to end up. And that certainly could factor into some of this stuff. But the reality is at the end of the day, Caleb Williams is going to end up at whatever place best he feels best suits him to be prepared to go to the NFL. He he had a plan. He had a plan when he came to Norman. That plan got blown up when Lincoln Riley went to California. And now Caleb Williams is going to search for what's best for him. 
And the only way he can legally do that without getting anybody in trouble with the NCAA is to go into the transfer portal. And it gives him the ability to hear out offers. But at the same time, at the same time, Jeff Levy is saying, look, man, we've got to build a program for 2022. And expectations don't taper off at Oklahoma. I'll never pass up on an opportunity to throw shade, but not going to a bowl game is unacceptable at the University of Oklahoma. And when you have a down season at the University of Oklahoma, it's very much like 2021 was. You finish 11-2, and and that's a down season. And those expectations carry over. So the fact that Kenneth Williams might be gone. The fact that Kennedy Brooks is going to be gone. The fact that Perrion Winfrey is going to be gone. The fact that Isaiah Thomas, Brian Osamoa, Pat Fields, those guys are all going to be gone. That doesn't hold any water towards the fans' expectations of competing for a Big 12 and National Championship in 2022. And the absolute worst thing, the absolute worst thing that Jeff Levy and Brent Venables can do is say, okay, well, I'll tell you what, Caleb, we're just going to wait on you to make a decision. No, I mean, look, if this is a testimony. If Caleb's looking for a place that wants, that has the mentality that wants to win and win right now, this is a great example of what Oklahoma's doing. I mean, these guys are, are literally saying, we're going to risk losing a freshman All-American, potential superstar, talented quarterback, in an effort to make sure that we're in the best situation possible to win in 2022. And this was a quick call. This shows that Levy, Venables, this crew, they've got vision, they've got a plan. And it goes back to what Bob Stoops said. There's no one person, be it a coach or a player, who is bigger than this program. And so, yeah, it's a clear message to Caleb Williams. I, I think he has a spot on this roster if he wants it, but they're not going to wait on him. They're they're going to move forward. There is a plan, and that plan will move forward with or without him. And I, I think it was a quick call to Dylan Gabriel from Jeff Levy, and I think it was a a very fast and easy choice for Dylan Gabriel as well. But think of it from this perspective: the, the big picture here. I mean, we're we're fifteen plus minutes into um, into this podcast, right? And we haven't even talked about the Alamo Bowl. We haven't even talked about the game against Oregon. And immediately after that game ended, immediately afterwards, everyone wanted to know about Caleb Williams. Everyone wanted to know what was Caleb Williams going to do. That That's how significant Caleb Williams is to the University of Oklahoma. That's how significant Caleb Williams is to this Oklahoma football team. I don't think anybody doubts that he has enjoyed his time in Norman. I don't think anybody doubts that he's enjoyed his time uh, with this team. I, I, He's loved, I think, every minute of his college experience at the University of Oklahoma. I do think that what we as fans and what the people who cover this team may have overlooked is the significance of his resolve to stick to his plan to be in the NFL after three years of college. 
And and that's, I mean, nothing's going to come in the way of that plan. The guy's focused for success in that area. Could it happen with the University of Oklahoma? Absolutely it could. Absolutely it could. But doesn't mean that he's going to come back here. And, and I think not to be that guy, okay, not to be that guy, but I, I think the relationship with Lincoln Riley should be a little bit bothersome for Oklahoma fans because Lincoln Riley is the one who put him on that track. Lincoln Riley is the one who set that trajectory for him. I'd be absolutely shocked, <clears throat> absolutely shocked if he doesn't have a conversation with Lincoln Riley. I really wouldn't be. I mean, I think Oregon might even be an option for him. But that was true emotion, true elation, true genuine love for his teammates and the fans and the game. What we saw Wednesday night in San Antonio, Texas. So now we turn the page to Dylan Gabriel. And I mean, I know I say I mean a lot because Again, it's just such a crazy, crazy situation because Dylan Gabriel, I think, was initially waiting to see what Caleb Williams was going to do. It looked like Caleb was staying, so he went to UCLA, and now it looks like Caleb is leaving, so he's never went to class at UCLA, so he's able to transfer back out of UCLA into Norman. And um, he's a guy to, I mean, he's over 8,000 yards in three seasons. Now, he didn't play much this last season due, due to injury, but he had back-to-back 3,500-yard passing seasons. He's got over 70 touchdowns uh, through the air. I think he's got nine on the ground. Um, and when you when you consider the grand scheme of things, this is probably going to be an unpopular statement in the moment. But maybe something that gains traction later on into the spring, into the summer, and into the fall. But he might be, in year one of the Jeff Levy offense, he might actually be a better option than Caleb Williams. I think Caleb Williams has the, he has the the highest ceiling. The star potential is there for Caleb Williams. Absolutely, star potential is there, hands down. And so Caleb Williams, in my opinion, has the higher ceiling of the quarterbacks. But in the moment, in the right now, here's here's the question you got to ask: Who do you think has a better understanding of Jeff Levy's offense? Well, absolutely, it's, it's Dylan Gabriel. You don't even have to think about that answer. It is Dylan Gabriel. Who has more experience as a college quarterback? It's Dylan Gabriel. Oh, he played in the American Conference. He played for Central Florida. Blah, blah, blah. Okay, I get all that. I understand it. But the guy played two full seasons, part of this last season before he got injured. He's got the experience. So he's got a better understanding of Jeff Levy's offense. He's got more experience in in college. So that means there's a a maturity there, a level there. I mean, he's a junior this year. There's there's a chance he could get a medical redshirt from this season. There's a, you know, he's got a senior season. He's got maybe two seasons left. 
this is a good move for the University of Oklahoma. Would you rather have Caleb Williams back on campus? Absolutely, you would rather have Caleb Williams back on campus. I think the best thing for this university, for this team, for this program, is to see a quarterback battle in the spring between Dylan Gabriel and Caleb Williams. But as a fan of this team, as a fan of this program, I think I'm more excited that they're moving forward. They're not waiting. I think I'm more excited about the anticipation of saying, you know what, we're going to put this offense together. We're going to move forward and we're going to have a plan to succeed with or without Caleb Williams. I like that. I, I like that a lot, lot better. And, and the reason why is because what if you do put on hold? What, what if you put everything on hold? And then Caleb Williams decides he's going to go to Oregon. Caleb Williams decided he's going to go to Georgia. Caleb Williams decided he's going somewhere else other than Oklahoma. And you put everything on hold waiting for him. What are your options at that point? Because if Dylan Gabriel goes to class, if he goes to class, he can't transfer out. So you've got very, very limited options. It's not a knock, but Casey Thompson is what you're looking at. And Casey Thompson, in his own right, is, is, a, is a good quarterback. But here we go. Um, it's, it's crazy time. It's crazy time in Oklahoma. And I think it's kind of fun. I think it's kind of exciting. I, 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 even though there's the potential of disappointment here. with Because I think the next time we hear from Caleb Williams, it's going to be an announcement. I don't think, I mean, look, we, we wanted the the uh, communication and, and give Caleb Williams credit for giving fans the communication, but we don't deserve the communication. We don't have a right to say, you know what, he has to tell us what he's doing. We, we don't have any of that. But giving credit for doing it. But I do think the next time we hear from Caleb Williams, it's going to be an announcement of either I'm transferring or I'm staying. And I, I don't think it's going to be a long time either because the spring semester starting, he's going to want to get wherever he's going uh, by, by spring ball. So it's, it's, going to, it's going to happen fast. And I, I think it's an exciting time. I, I really do. With or without Caleb Williams, you can't not be excited about the future of Oklahoma football with this new coaching staff. And again, I'm, I think I'm, I'm more impressed and enthusiastic about Jeff Levy saying, you know what, we're moving forward. Caleb, good luck in the portal. We want you to come back, but we've got a plan and we're moving forward. I think I'm more impressed with that than I am upset about the potential of, of, of Caleb Williams leaving. Listen to these stats. By the way, again, I'm, I'm not – I know it's easy to, to get – the, the, what I'm saying is, oh, well, we don't need Caleb Williams. We've got Dylan Gabriel. That's, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that at all. What I am saying is, it is not a bad fallback plan at all. Career completion percentage at UCF, 60.7. Career passing yards at UCF, 8,041. And again, he didn't even play. I, I, he didn't play a third of the season in 2021. 70 passing touchdowns, 14 interceptions, a career quarterback rating 
of 156.9. And I think that's a different number I, than I had on, on touchdowns because, no, it's 70, 70 passing touchdowns, and then there was, I think, nine rushing touchdowns. Guys, that's not a bad fallback plan. Not at all. Let's talk some thoughts on the Alamo Bowl, and then obviously um, we can't do a podcast without true or false questions, so we'll wrap it up like that. Oklahoma closes out the 2021 college football season with a 47-32 win over the Oregon Ducks in the Alamo Bowl. Yes, I am aware that at this point this is old news, but I haven't had a chance to talk about it. So I've got some thoughts. I'll be mildly brief, but I think they're good thoughts, and and I'd like to share them. Um, and, and really, it starts off with Bob Stoops. I just... This, to me, this was the story of this bowl game, was Bob Stoops coming back, take the helm of this program one more time to kind of hold things together. Um, and then I, I I think, I mean, I wish I could remember who said this. I saw on Twitter, this is the best thing that I saw about Bob Stoops on Twitter following the bowl game. And it was something, it's not an original thought to me, but I, I don't think I could agree with it more. It's something along the lines of we had no idea when Bob Stoops coached that Sugar Bowl when Sooners beat uh, Auburn in the Sugar Bowl. Had no idea that was going to be the last time we were going to see him on the sidelines coaching this team. And to have him come in for the last month and to lead this team into the bowl game to have them win the bowl game, it really gave the fans the opportunity to give the send-off to Bob Stoops that that he deserved. I mean, honestly, he he deserved a farewell tour. And it wasn't like a full farewell tour where he played the, the entire schedule, but it was enough. And the fans love Bob. Bob loves the fans. There's no way, no way that Bob's not a program guy. There's no way that Bob Stoops is not Mr. Oklahoma. As much as he tries to give that away, he tried to give it to Lincoln Riley. That didn't work for various reasons. We all know why. Now he's trying to give it to Brent Venables, and I think Sooner Nation has embraced Brent Venables, and I think Venables will be that program guy as well. But Bob Stoops, what he has done and continues to do for this program is just unheard of. And to see him go out in victory, just I mean, he got emotional on the sidelines um, there's a clip out there if you didn't catch it during the game, but he's doing the OU, the hand motions back to the crowd. You see his lip quiver. You, you see him just get a little bit emotional, and, and that's that's what this university and this program means to him. And that's what we had hoped for Lincoln Riley. And now we trust that to go on to Brent Venables, but the Alamo Bowl was a, the perfect send-off for Bob Stoops. And speaking of perfect send-offs, I think it was also the perfect send-off for Kennedy Brooks. I, I think there was an outside hope that Kennedy Brooks would come back one more year. But the, the reality of the situation is you have three 1,000-yard seasons in college. You need to go pro for two reasons. Number number one, that, that's a lot of tread. It's a lot of tread on the tires. You know, you know what I'm saying? Um, and, and you need to capitalize. But also, number two is that He's got three seasons of film, three seasons of 1,000-yard rushing. There's nothing else he needs to do in college. 
He's ready for the pros. He's He came back for this one purpose after sitting out last year for COVID. Um, and he's ready to go. 142 yards and 14 carries, three touchdowns. That's that's a pretty good send-off performance for Kennedy Brooks. And and so I think it's those are the first two thoughts that I have uh, concerning the, this this win. And, and I think Caleb Williams, I, I will say this, Caleb Williams was, was great, 21-27. 242 yards, three passing touchdowns. He also ran what? He ran a couple of times, seven carries, 34 yards, almost five yards a carry. Um, but I think he needs to kind of be off the table for right now when we're, when we're digesting and breaking down this bowl game because a lot of it has to do with what are we going to see next year? How did, how did this game set this team up for 2022? And there's a lot of good in that. I mean, think about Eric Gray. This is the Eric Gray that we wanted to see. And and I, and I loved how Kel Gundy used him. And when we're talking about program guys, I mean, Bob Stoops, maybe he's the ultimate program guy, but man, can we not throw Kel Gundy in there? You, you, the coaching staffs that he's served under, the, the amount of time that he has stayed with this program, and to come in and, and do the job that he did as a play caller in this bowl game. I mean, honestly, I'm not interested in talking about Brian Odom. I'm not that interested in talking about the defensive play calling, which was okay. It was good in the first half, but uh, they got a little loose in the second half, and Oregon kind of caught their wind um, enough to make OU fans a little bit uncomfortable in the third quarter. But Brian Odom's gone. Kale Gundy's still here. And, man, that dude, he, he called a game. Sooners with 30 points in the first half, 17 in the second half. Um, Kale Gundy running the running the show for this offense, and and it was I, I may be I may be all up in my feels and biased, but I thought it was the best offensive performance we've seen from this Oklahoma team against a top ranked opponent. And when I say top ranked opponent, I mean Power Five. I mean five hundred and sixty four yards of total offense. They scored six touchdowns in this game. That that's guys, that's that's some good offense. And I think we we maybe underrate the uh the loyalty of a guy like Kel Gundy just because he's a guy who's always in the background. And he's going back to the background. I mean you're gonna hear a lot from Jeff Levy, you're gonna hear a lot from Brent Venables, you're gonna hear a lot from Ted Roof, you're gonna hear a lot from these other guys. Kel Gundy's just a guy who does the work in the background. He lets the kids get the glory. Let the kids get the credit. But I think we absolutely need to tip our hats to him for the way he called this bowl game. By the way, Marcus Major sighting, right? 5.4 yards per carry, 10 carries, 54 yards. And, and that's what I'm talking about. You, you look at the future. You're losing Kennedy Brooks, but are you expecting a drop-off in Oklahoma's running attack? When you look at the depth of this running back room, I think you're okay. I mean, you're two guys right at the front. I mean, right at the front, at the top of that, are, are the two guys that played in the bowl game behind Kenny Brooks, Eric Gray and Marcus Major. Then you got a couple of freshmen coming in. You've got some guys uh, that are already in, in, in the program. I, I, don't, I don't think that you can expect a drop-off from any of the skill positions. That, that's why getting Dylan Gabriel was so important. Because look at the receivers. I mean, Jalil Farouk, three catches, 64 yards. He was your leading receiver. 
We haven't heard from this guy all season long. Marvin Mims, big touchdown catch. Eric Gray, what he did in the passing game coming out of the backfield. Mario Williams. Man, and he had the play of the game, in my opinion. I know it was called back. I know it didn't count, but to get your helmet ripped off and run for a touchdown, yeah, I'll take that. I, he, whether Regardless of what Mike Woods decides to do, if he's going pro or if he's coming back, this, this team, when you look at the skill position, this team is set to be dangerous in 2022. Receivers, running backs, tight ends. You're going to be decent along the offensive line when you when you look at the transfers that are coming in. So Jeff Levy had to get a quarterback. I, I know I keep going back to that, but you just can't wait. You can't wait because that's that's the piece. That's that's the one question mark. And you got to have an answer there. And and that's he he got the answer in Dylan Gabriel. So regardless of what Caleb Williams does or doesn't do with this program, Jeff Levy has an answer. He's got a trigger man for an offense that has all the parts, all the components to be dangerous. Yeah, you're losing some offensive linemen. I get that. But this offensive line, don't you think it'll be better than what Ole Miss threw out there this season? And and look what he did with that Ole Miss offense. So I... I think the future is bright on both sides of the football. And, and I think when you, when you look at, at some of the guys, particularly, you know, you had, you had the big, you had the big, you know, holdouts on, uh, not holdouts, I, I guess opt-outs is the word, on the defensive side of the ball. But you look at the way David Aguabe played. You look at the way Marcus Stripling played. You look at the way Danny Stutzman played. Danny Stutzman had seven tackles in this game. Uh, this this defense produced six tackles for loss, five quarterback hurries, three quarterback sacks, and they did all of that while missing Perry and Winfrey, while missing Isaiah Thomas, while missing you know Nick Benito, while missing Brian Osamoa, and you had guys come in there and just show you that the defense is in good hands. And, and you, you got to like what you saw from these younger guys, like a Reggie Grimes, like an Ethan Downs. And, and the, the truth of the matter is this. I, I think, I'm trying to think how I can say this, because I, I, I don't want to take away from any of these guys. But th- these guys were kind of like fill-ins, so to speak. And Oregon had fill-ins, and Oklahoma had fill-ins, because they're not your normal starters. Both teams were affected by opt-outs. Both teams were affected by by NFL um, de- declarations. Both both teams were affected by transfers. So you got a group of fill-ins there. And and I think that first half, you you saw Oregon's fill-ins a little bit shell shocked, kind of the, the deer in the headlights type thing. And you saw Oklahoma's guys ready to go out there and and get to work. You saw them ready to go out and battle, ready to go out and fight. The only guy I think you could say that for Oregon, and he wasn't even a fill-in, but the only guy that I think you could say for Oregon who came into this game ready to go, ready to fight, ready to battle, was Travis Dye. And we tried to tell you in our in our, our bowl game preview, Travis Dye is the kid to watch on this Oregon offense. 153 yards and a touchdown on 18 carries. 
yeah, Brown had a good game, 306 yards, but uh, he had the interception. Um, he had three touchdowns. And and you got to give those receivers credit, especially the, the Thornton kid who had, what, like 90 yards and a score? But it was late. I mean, they, they came on in the second half, and this game was pretty much put to bed. It was 30-3 to three at the half. So there, there's some last late in the game thoughts on um, on uh, the the Alamo Bowl and and again I, I know it's it's stuff that you've probably seen on Twitter it's stuff that you've probably heard on other podcasts and and so forth but the reality is those are my thoughts and I hadn't get to share them yet now we've got your thoughts because we got true or false and it's featuring you the listener and we'll wrap it up with that. Okay, not that you care too much about my personal life. Not that I would even want you to, but I am back into my travel mode um, working outside of the United States. So that means Rich and I can't connect in a way that we typically would like to in order to do our podcast. But we're going to reach out to you, the fans. We've been trying to prepare you for this uh, for the last month or so by saying, hey, give us your your uh, true or false questions and uh, we'll get them in on the podcast. And that's exactly what we're doing in this episode. And so we're going to jump in here right now and uh, start it up. And here we go. Uh, number one, true or false. Oklahoma, this comes from Facebook, by the way. You can hit us up on Twitter at Sports Heartland. We do have a Heartland Sports Facebook page. Um, we give opportunities both places uh, for you guys to jump in and participate with your true or false questions. So here is from Facebook. Uh, true or false, Oklahoma will be the favorite to win the Big 12 in 2022. And holy cow. Um, you got me stumped, all right? I, I, I think... Um, Man, I'm going to say this is false. I'm going to say false, and, and here's why. I, I think Baylor, depending on what they have coming back, when, when you look at what Baylor did to win the Big 12 championship, winning their bowl game convincingly over Ole Miss, if they keep that band together, I don't see why they wouldn't be the favorite. And in fact, I think as an Oklahoma fan, you want Baylor to be the favorite. And the reason why is the last thing you want is a talented team with a chip on its shoulder. Now, they were the best team in the Big 12, hands down, this season. Best defense in the Big 12, hands down, this season. They proved that in the Big 12 championship game. They proved it throughout the regular season, and they certainly proved it in the bowl game. The last thing you want is to give that team a chip on their shoulders going into the 2022 season by saying a team that didn't even qualify a team that lost two, potentially lost its top two quarterbacks. A team that lost its number one running back. A team that lost its coach. A team that lost its entire defensive staff and is starting over to make that team the favorite to win the Big 12. I don't think you want to give them any more motivation than what they're already going to have. So no, I don't, I don't think Oklahoma would be the favorite to win the Big 12. I think they could be a top two. You know, you look at Baylor, Oklahoma. You know, I think Iowa State's going to lose a lot. Oklahoma State uh, is going to be in the mix depending on what they lose. Of course, Texas is always going to get uh, preseason love, but they're they're kind of a hot mess right now, particularly on the offensive side of the ball. You got Bijan Robinson, and then you tell me who else, right? Um, so, the favorite to win the Big Twelve to me, that's going to be a no. One of the favorites to win the Big Twelve, I can get on board with that. 
All right, second um, second question from Facebook. This is uh, from Dustin. Um, True or false, does Ole Miss's lack of offensive success pose a threat to losing Caleb Williams? Uh, I mean, this is a lot of things have changed since uh, since Dustin posted this uh, a day or so ago. Um, and and I, I don't think – I really don't think – I'm assuming he's talking about the bowl game against Baylor. Um, and I'm going to say that's – I think that's going to say false. I, I don't think that bowl game will play a role into Caleb Williams' decision. I, I, I said – you know, I talked about this earlier in the podcast. I, I think Caleb Williams is really locked in on how can I get to the NFL? How can I best – prepare myself for the NFL. Um, and I don't I don't think he's in it. I really, I don't, this is just me, okay? This is my opinion. I got nothing concrete on this. But I don't, I don't think this is about money. I don't think this is about a better NIL deal. And I know people have said, and Dustin followed up on this on Facebook, that it's reported that Georgia offered Caleb Williams one the $2 million in NIL money. Well, first of all, they can't do that until he jumps in the portal. So the rumors that came out earlier in the week about what Georgia had, this package Georgia put together for Caleb Williams, I don't, I don't know that I buy into that. But secondly, if, if Caleb Williams goes to Georgia, it's going to be because... He feels like that's the best that's the best opportunity for him to prepare for the NFL. I personally don't think he's going to Georgia. And I personally don't think he's in it for the money. But again, those are, are my opinions. I, I think if he doesn't come to Oklahoma, which it's looking like it's more likely he's not staying at OU, I think it's because he had conversations with Jeff Levy. And Jeff Lebby said, this is what I want to do with my offense. And Caleb Williams understands what Jeff Lebby wants to do. But maybe he's looking for something different. Maybe he's looking for a different type of offense to run. And I think it's going to be more about X's and O's and preparation for the next level than it's going to be about dollar signs for Caleb Williams. So I'm going to say this is a false. I don't think the a bad offense performance in the bowl game is going to take away anything from Caleb Williams, whether he stays at OU or not. I don't, I don't think that's going to factor in at all. All right, let's move over, take a couple off of uh, Twitter. Uh, here we go. True or false, the last month and a half Bob Stoops has given to Oklahoma is up there with the best of his career. Um, because you said it's up there, up there with the best of his career, I'm going to go ahead and go with a true. Obviously, uh, the 2000 season is is the top of what Bob Stoops gave the University of Oklahoma because of the national championship. I think there's been years where he did uh, coaching jobs that were very underrated. I think 2009 is a great example of that. Coming off the 2008 season, uh, they were heavy favorites going into 2009. You lose Jermaine Gresham before the season started. You lose Sam Bradford against BYU in the season opener. And that defense of the 2009 season, I know they ended up going like to the Sun Bowl and playing Stanford, but still you had Landry Jones as a as a true freshman um I, I, or was he a redshirt freshman? Whatever. Landry Jones is a freshman at that point. I think he's a redshirt. But the the reality is this last month and a half, Oklahoma probably needed Bob Stoops more than they have in a long, long time. 
He was a stable force keeping this recruiting class together. And I think that's probably what will get overlooked the most, keeping the recruiting class together. But also, he was a stable force in guidance towards the bowl game and planning and preparing. And keep in mind, I mean, I I talked about this. I was vocal about it. I was untrusting of this. But he had three key guys on his coaching staff that weren't with this program anymore. He had three guys come in from two from USC at the time that Jamar Kane has gone on to LSU. You you had Calvin Thibodeau coming in from SMU. I mean, there there were a lot of things, a lot of moving parts. You had opt-outs, you had transfers, and this guy was able to come in and be a stabilizing force, love on these student athletes, and really watch them love him back. And they played for Bob Stoops in that game. It was clear they had embraced Bob Stoops as their head coach, and they played for him, and they won the Alamo Bowl. And, and how crazy is it that the last two games that Bob Stoops coached for the University of Oklahoma were bowl games, and he's 2-0. I mean, he goes out winning two consecutive bowl games. Um, but, I mean, just don't overlook the impact that he had in going in and talking to recruits and keeping several key guys in the fold here. That, that's huge. That's that's really huge for this program. So, yeah, I would say this has been what Bob Stoops has given Oklahoma, what he's given this university, while not taking a salary as the interim coach, is up there with the best of all time. So, absolutely, that's going to be true. All right, and here's the final one. True or false, guys like Jake Taylor, Jacob Sexton, Gavin Salchuk uh, can come in and play a major role next season. I think this one's all over the place, honestly. I, I think there's some true and some false here. I I, I really feel like when you look at um, this situation, um, and I would throw Javante Barnes in there as well, running back is probably where these younger guys have the best shot at coming in and, and making an impact, playing in this game, or playing in, for this team. Um, you know, we, we talked about, Eric Gray already. We talked about Marcus Major already, but Gavin Salchuk, he's the number five overall running back in the 2022 recruiting class. And and John uh, Javante Barnes is number 10. So those guys are coming in with some talent and can probably find a place on the field. I think when you look at Jake Taylor, when Jacob Sexton, um there's a even though even though you're losing guys off like Tyrese Robinson and so forth off this offensive line. There's still a lot of talent there. I mean, a lot of talent on that line. I mean, don't forget, you're already getting in uh, what the kid from, um, I'm blanking on his name right now, you're getting in the, the Cal, the Cal transfer is coming in. And that's, you know, you got Andrew Rame on this line. You got Wanya Morris on this line. Uh, Anton Harrison is on this line. Robert Conjol, a lot of a guy that a lot of people forget about. Anton Harrison, uh, not Anton Harrison, <laughs> just uh, Finley Felix. Um, I mean, he, that's a name that a lot of people just kind of threw away and, and forgot about. But Finley Felix is going to be a player uh, in, in ha- having the rotation set on this offensive line. So I, I think probably offensive line guys, um, maybe a, a, unless they come in like an Anton Harrison and just immediately make an impact, like an Andrew Rame, immediately make an impact. But I mean, Andrew Rame, once he's healthy, he's going to be your starting center. 
And remember, Conjo came in having been able to play all of the inside positions. Um, you know, you've got guys on here like Chris Murray who plays multiple positions. So I think Bill Biedenboe is going to be able to reshuffle this line and have a lot of guys with starting experience. Because think about it. Anton Harrison will, will be back, starting experience. Wanya Morris, most likely going to be back, starting experience. Chris Murray, starting experience. Andrew Rame, starting experience. And let's not forget Bray Walker came out of the transfer portal to come back to this team. The only point I'm making is I think Jake Taylor, Jacob Sexton, I think there's a lot, a lot, a lot of upside to those guys and a lot to look forward to in regards to their future. But I also think that there's experience and talent and maturity, and I'm talking about football maturity, above those guys. And so unless they come in, again, like Andrew Rame did, just all of a sudden turning the, the heads of coaches, and, and again, we saw Anton Harrison do the same thing, just begin to turn heads. Unless they come in with that, and then and then you couple that with, some guys underperforming. I, I just I feel like running backs probably probably the best shot for some of these young guys to get in here and, and to make uh, to make an impact in twenty twenty two. And so I think I'm gonna make this a it's a true and a false. Uh, but that's gonna wrap it up for us, Sooner Nation podcast. Again, you can find us every day uh, on the internet at heartland sportscom uh, You can find us on Twitter at sports heartland. Uh, we got your Oklahoma Sooners coverage. We got your Oklahoma City Thunder coverage. Uh, throwing in some Oklahoma State stuff here and there. Uh, but uh, we sure appreciate everybody who listens to the podcast. We appreciate everyone who contributes with a comment here and there on the website and everyone who hits us up on Twitter. You guys are the best. Happy New Year. And one thing, I, I just looking down on my notes, one thing that I absolutely failed to come back to was the hiring of uh, Todd Bates as Oklahoma's new defensive uh I think he's co-defensive coordinator and defensive line coach. And listen, that that is going to almost immediately change. I'm seriously, immediately change Oklahoma's defensive recruiting, particularly up front. So that's a huge, huge, huge hire for Brent Venables, and we'll have to dig more into that later on. Happy New Year, everybody. Enjoy your week. Boomer Sooners.